0: Good morning, everyone. I'm R. W. Estella with a word in edgewise. Today is the 13th of January on the Gregorian calendar, the one most of us have been using for a few centuries now, but it's New Year's Eve on the Julian calendar, the one first introduced to the world by Julius Caesar in 46 B.C. In other words, tomorrow, January 14th on the Gregorian calendar is January 1st on the Julian calendar. Pope Gregory XIII introduced what would become known as the Gregorian calendar way back in October 1582, but much of the world had not adopted the calendar until the middle of the 18th century. Under the Connecticut State Library's online Colonial Records and Topics menu, for example, we find that the Gregorian calendar was not adopted in England and its colonies until 1752. That means anyone interested in accurately commemorating historical events finds herself or himself wondering whether a date from the days of the Julian calendar has been appropriately recast as a Gregorian date. Let's say someone's birthday was January 4th on the Julian calendar. On the Gregorian calendar, that birthday would become January 17th, if properly adjusted. If this seems like a perfect recipe for creating headaches rather than relieving them, we get a glimpse of how humans worked fairly hard at driving themselves crazy concerning time about half a millennium ago. Once Pope Gregory XIII had released his new calendar onto the Renaissance scene in 1582, for the next 200 years in Europe, two different calendars would be in use. Moreover, places such as England would institute two different starts of the year, one being the legal beginning of the year on March 25th, and the other being the common beginning on New Year's Day, the first day for most almanacs. For dates falling between the new New Year's Day of the Gregorian calendar and the old New Year, March 25th, of the Julian calendar, the designators New Style and Old Style would appear after a slash following the date in question. This became known as double dating and was more common in civil than in church and ecclesiastical records. To further complicate things, the 13-day separation between the two calendars was truncated to 11 days during the official changeover, which for us here in the U.S. may, may be traced back to a 1750 Act of Parliament, which tried to account for the differences incurred when considering a solar year. That Parliamentary Act brought about the changeover in 1752. Current historical scholarship calls for the retention of old-style dates in transcriptions, but historians and genealogists are cautioned that more than a few people living at the time had already taken into account the conversion and had rendered a new-style date. George Washington, for instance, is said to have been born on February eleventh seventeen 1731, under the Julian calendar, but afterwards the date recognized to reflect the Gregorian calendar is February twenty second Meanwhile, in-the-ballpark timekeeping is useful for large groupings of time, like weeks and months. The Saxons were fond of calling what we now call January Wolfmonat, or Wolf Month, which goes handily with the full moon we had a few days back, known as the Wolf Moon. Tonight in the southern sky, look for the constellation Orion the Hunter, with its nearby two brightest stars, Betelgeuse to the upper left and Rigel to the lower right. Betelgeuse is estimated at being located 522 light-years away and Rigel 773 light-years away. Today is the birthday of Sophia Kalish in 1884 to Jenny Kalish, a Russian Jew who was on her way to join her husband in Boston. Jenny's husband took the name Charles Abusa and raised Sophia and her three siblings in Hartford, Connecticut, while running a restaurant. Sophia helped out but hated the work. Despite weighing 145 pounds at age 13, Sophia began playing piano for her sister in amateur vaudeville contests, singing along as well. Sophia began hearing calls from the audience for the fat girl and forgetting about her size would jump up from her piano stool and work to get all the laughs she could. That sold her on entertaining, though she didn't immediately enter the profession. First, she married Louis Tuck, who drove a beer wagon, with which he was unable to support his family. So Sophia left him, settled her son with her parents, changed her name to Tucker, and went to New York to break into show business as Sophie Tucker. Soon, Sophie's weight had become 165 pounds, and she hid herself behind blackface makeup, which went over well, eventually becoming a blackface singer in a burlesque show. She hated the makeup, and one day she lost the kit. The audience loved her anyway, and by 1909, Sophie Tucker had won a spot in Ziegfeld's Follies, becoming the last of the Red Hot Mamas and spending the next 60 years performing around the world using the signature song, Some of These Days. She once joked, I have been poor and I have been rich. Rich is better. Today is also the birthday of Horatio Alger in 1832, of Robert Stack in 1919, and of Julia Louis-Dreyfus in 1961. For more I'm R.W. Estella with a word in Edgewise. Here's to a fine mid-January day.